Welcome back to the Whining About Life podcast. I'm Darian DeBrule, your host for this week's episode as we further dive into the deep topic of the purpose of life. This week, we are exploring how gratitude through our work and what we do can help us find purpose in our lives, even when circumstances in the world seem dreary. There's a word that has made a profound impact on my life and the lives of others. It's ikigai. This is a Japanese word, and in the Japanese language, it means a reason for being. In a westernized concept, the Oxford Dictionary describes it as a motivating force, something or someone that gives a person a sense of purpose or a reason for living. Many people, myself included, believe that if we find our purpose and live in it, we will be happy, which I do believe living in purpose contributes to happiness, but I also think gratitude is a large key to this happiness as well. The Oxford Dictionary definition of gratitude is the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Even if we are living in purpose, if we do not have gratitude for the opportunities and accolades life has given us, we will fail to be truly happy. Through gratitude, we gain humility and understanding of the give and take that is present in society. In mainstream psychology, three main parts of gratitude are identified. Recognition, acknowledgement, and appreciation. Actively embracing all three parts is key to living a life of gratitude. To help further this conversation about gratitude and how it coincides with finding purpose, we are joined by Catherine Thomas, Executive Director of People Helping People, and members of the University of Utah football team as they recount some of the trials and tribulations they have endured throughout their lives and talk about how they have kept gratitude through it all. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for meeting with me. Um, first off, this is the second episode of Whining About Life, so I appreciate Love you it. here. Um, do you want to introduce what you're drinking? And Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I, am dr- I don't even know what this is. It was whatever was left in my fridge this morning, <laughs> figuring that I couldn't go straight to hard liquor this early. Um, it is whisk. I, I don't know. I can't Just read. a beer. I can't even read sort. that small anymore. Let me Gabriel. see. I know it. Proper Brewing Co. It looks like a Halloween drink. Smoke I think it's like a Halloween IPA. With okay. Oh, All yeah. I know is I'm supporting local. How's that? It's Proper Brewing. <laughs> it's a beer. And I'm drinking a margarita. So my name is Catherine Thomas, which I'm just getting used to. I've just gotten remarried, and so I'm changing my last name. So that's been a fun, fun adjustment. Uh, I am the executive director with People Helping People, which is a local nonprofit. We're an employment program that works with low-income women and single moms in our community, helping them find jobs. So have you always been involved with nonprofit, or is this something that you just re-enter or just entered into nonprofit? Yeah, really interesting. Um, no, I, I mean, I had a little bit of experience with nonprofit from a business perspective participating in uh, different chambers along the Wasatch Front, was the executive director for a couple of chambers in Holiday and, and Sugar House a number of years ago, but that was primarily to help grow my, my business. Um, I actually started Utah's first co-working business center about, gosh, 15, tw- well, about 15 years ago at this point, and um, did shared workspace. And that led me to PHP as a volunteer. So I was introduced um, almost five years ago to come in and and coach and mentor these women um, and started volunteering. So I had a little point of reference with nonprofit, but it definitely wasn't a a career field or something that I was was seeking out. Mm -hmm. And in terms of transitioning into the nonprofit where you started becoming more engaged with specifically people helping people, you started as a volunteer and then as you gained the trust of Kayleen the founder of people helping people you were able to get the executive director position um 
kind of take me through of the feelings you were having of, at the time, maybe some fears, some hopes? Well, like I said, I, I was asked to come in and volunteer. I, I At the time, I'd been a single mom for about 15 years, and that's partly the reason that I stepped into entrepreneurship and owning my own business, because even though I graduated from high school, I didn't really have a lot of workplace experience. I'd been home raising my children and then found myself divorced, um, didn't go to college, and I wasn't certain how I was going to provide for myself and my kids, and so I started latching on to all sorts of those MLMs we're all familiar with, with your Pampered Chefs and your Stampin' Ups and your Mary Kays and, and a variety of other things, thinking that was not only my only skill set, but also the only way I was going to be able to provide for my kids and um, and then also still be able to be home before school and after school and have some flexibility. And that led me into some great introductions and some other job opportunities that eventually parlayed into me starting my own businesses and, um, and then getting introduced to PHP as a volunteer. And so when I was asked to come in, because I was a single mom, um, I didn't really know anything about this program. I knew that they worked with other single moms, but I, I really was coming in to volunteer as a, a favor at the time to the executive director. Million things going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, worked with this amazing young lady who was uh, going through a drug treatment program, trying to regain custody of her little girl, and just shared some really intimate details and, and was very um, passionate about making a change and doing something different. And there were a few elements of her story that really resonated with me and after coaching her through that one session I went back into the uh, the executive director at that point and said you already know I, I, I've got a million things going on with my own kids and my business and chamber and and some other women's networking activities and small business things I was doing for the city um, but I need to be involved I, I need to be here um, I I wish I would have known about this program uh, 30 plus years ago when I was going through a lot of these same things and how life-changing it would have been to have that kind of support system. So I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but put me to work, let me come in and start volunteering. And one of the very first things that I saw, like so many nonprofits, because we run so lean and we have a small staff and and um, you know it's always kind of a catch-22 on trying to get funding and, and a variety of other things. Um, one of my strengths, just in my own business and things that I've done for other business owners, was streamline the processes and make operational costs more efficient and um, cost effective. And so I asked if I could help out in some of those areas and, and help with some of their nonprofit costs. And uh, started volunteering a little bit more and got to know our founder, Kayleen. Um, you know, on a personal level and, and just the utmost respect for what she had created and this amazing program that's been around for 30 years and um, forged a really great relationship with her and trust. And then when the executive director left and at that time I'd also just sold my business, I went to her and said, you know, if you want me full time, put me to work. I, I don't know what that looks like. And, um, and it just ended up being what it is today. So. Definitely didn't set my sights on it. I would have never put myself in nonprofit if you had asked me even five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't imagine being anywhere else. And, and like I said, there's there's a lot of things that we do and a lot of the women that we work with mm-hmm. that are going through circumstances that are very relatable to me. So, In terms of transitioning from being a business owner to 
a boss of a nonprofit organization, I personally know there's stigmas around nonprofits because people think, well, it's a nonprofit. How do you make money? Are yeah, you even yeah. paid? Yeah. Was that a concern you had at the time or was that something you were asked about? That's, that's part of why I stepped into this role. We still have to operate like a business. It's just the way that we acquire our funds. We don't have a service or a product we're selling, right? I'm not selling somebody a hamburger, hoping they walk into my store and buy a t-shirt. But we still have to fund so that we can provide a staff and the services in order to teach and, and mentor the women that we serve. The difference between being in, in corporate America is you're working for profit, right? We want to make money mm-hmm. um, versus nonprofit. We have to find this... this um, um, I call even it human, middle, human connection. This and human connection human and kind of a break even. I have to raise enough bill. money <laughs> to pay the bills, but yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. it's an interesting perspective for sure. And to that point too, Avriel, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities for people to go volunteer. Now that you're kind of sunk into the middle middle of this nonprofit, people helping people, and you're operating staff and operating new volunteers and agencies and employers and clients and getting mentored and learning the whole process. Um, how has it tied into your why? Why are you, why are you so involved in this role? That, that's a daily question, to be quite honest. Um, there's a lot of different nonprofits and a lot of different services and agencies and, and things that are happening in our community. and. You know, whether you're out recycling or you're planting trees or you're, mm-hmm. you know, big brothers, big sisters and helping kids. There's, yeah. there's so many there's different so things many we can get involved in. There's so many ways where you can try to save And the world. with yeah. our program, we are, we're truly seeing the overall impact that a lot of these decisions have led to as an adult, meaning these mothers and the struggles that they're facing trying to pick up the pieces if dads are no longer involved, um, raising kids by themselves, um, trying to work and juggle those moving parts. A lot of them have children, you know, with some pretty substantial needs and, um, you know, some, some disabilities even. And just the, the level of barriers that these women face can be very overwhelming. And anybody who's worked in the, in people helping people especially, but in, in, with this particular demographic, I think would say that it becomes a very emotional job, and it's hard not to. If you're an empathetic, I'm, I, I'm Empath- definitely an empath. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. um, I've had to really rein that in because it's hard not to take that home when you can't save everybody, right? Totally. Um, and it's really frustrating. And for me especially, every single woman that we work with, and I know we have this underlying expectation of success for them, that's program related. But for me, every single woman that I work with, whether she's incarcerated or she's going through drug treatment or she's sleeping in her car, I look at her and I think, you gotta be kidding me. You have so many things that, that you're capable of and I can't believe you don't see what I see. And that, I think is what gets the most wearing on me, but it also ties into my why. Because I, because there are so many of these things that I can relate to. I had a horrible marriage. I, I've been in horrible relationships. I, there's been you know, some horrible things that have happened in life. 
but that's yesterday, right? And I can, I can choose, I get to choose if I'm gonna sit and wallow in the, oh, poor me, and I can't believe that shit happened to me. Because it happens to all of us. So you're either gonna do something with it mm-hmm. and do something different, or you're gonna just hang out in this victim and that's not productive for anybody, let alone for yourself. So it's really frustrating to not want to scream at these ladies and go, ah, you have so much potential. Like, do you even see how beautiful you are or how articulate you are? Or I can watch you even in this virtual environment interacting with your kids and I can see you're nurturing. So my why has been twofold. And I can promise you every single morning I get up and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I used to be a really successful business owner and out there, you know, Networking. Being able to network yes. and, and be an example of, you know, being successful in that side of things. And now I'm behind the scenes in this ask capacity. I'm asking everybody for everything now, right? That's also nonprofit. Yeah. Can you donate space? Can you donate a t-shirt? And um, every morning I get up and I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? This is exhausting. I can't save everybody. A lot of times it forces me to relive my life. Well, every day it forces me to relive my life. And a lot of those things I've either never talked about or I've never dealt with, or I just have chosen to not focus on that. But then I have to bring it up in order to be relatable and for these women to go, oh yeah, she's an example of how to do things different. And that can be really wearing. Um, and then you have this small little glimmer or this moment of somebody picking up the phone or announcing in the middle of the workshop, I got a job. I paid off a debt. I finally got custody. I'm not sleeping in my car. I, it makes me emotional. And you're just like, I know. I told you. And I can start out a meeting just being pissed off that I had to get up at 8 o'clock on a Saturday and I don't want to hash out my shit. And then somebody makes that kind of announcement and you just can't help but celebrate and go, oh yeah, we need to be doing this for each other. These clients that you work with are super, they're super relatable. Like they sometimes just pull on your heartstrings. So there is a fine line between being a human being. Oh my gosh, you can't turn that off and being a professional to like try to get them through those challenges and because I don't want to log in yeah. and, and start crying and be like, no. oh my gosh, this is yeah. so upsetting. Even though <laughs> yeah. internally I'm thinking, God, there's been some really gnarly things and I yeah. kind of forgot X, Y, and Z. And, and, um, but having to hold your ground and, yeah. and have a sense of stability and, and being a little bit stoic sometimes so that you can be an example. Yeah. But um, yeah, that, that's my why. And I've actually had to write it down and put it somewhere where it, for the longest time it was kind of funny. You know, yeah. Today, you're probably going to fucking hate your job. But chances are somebody's making even a tiniest of an adjustment, and this is why you got out of bed. In general, um, do you think everyone has their own purpose in life, or do you think there's an overarching purpose for humanity to live out their existence here? I know that is a very loaded that question. That is a loaded so question. Take it in direction however you please. There's um, no right I or wrong. think that I'll, I'll kind of reverse engineer it. Mm-hmm. I think as mankind we are a collective effort of all of our individual purposes we were born with a purpose and some people are better at identifying that early on 
some people take a lifetime and then all of a sudden at 80 they're like oh my god I didn't know this I found my purpose sometimes that's through an action or that's another individual or it's some experience but the minute we come into this world we were born we are all born with purpose we all are born deserving to be happy and successful and again I know that sounds kind of cliche but sometimes our environmental factors come into play and we have to work a little bit harder than maybe somebody else to overcome that or to find that bright light throughout the day and that's really what ends up setting people apart not even successful people just happy people apart in going you know what today was kind of crummy but here's a little tidbit of something that went amazing we're then the collective effort of everybody hopefully finding that purpose and um, and hopefully that purpose includes <laughs> wanting to do great things for humanity how has covid 19 changed your perspective of society or made you create a different game plan to help women in your communities right now in the community that you have contact with right now yeah because I feel like that was one of that's the a world pandemic seems like something that you're never going to forget in your life so there has to be some yeah. sort of lesson to take away maybe for all of us well I I you. think I, again, another really loaded question. I'm trying to figure out which yeah. of those 10 things I want to start I with. Um, you know, the, the learning in our lives does not come from the experience itself. It's coming from the reflection on that experience, right? What is it that I would do differently? How could I do things better? What did I learn from that? Okay, oh my gosh, I hope I don't make the same mistake or I do the same thing twice. And maybe that does happen, and then you reflect again, and then you, you know you start to pivot and, and adjust going through life. Um, so through this pandemic, <laughs> um, it's it's made me, and I'm sure with a lot of people, it's made me really truly dial in to the things that are the most important. Are the people that I'm locked up with the ones I want to be locked up with, or oh my God, have I been tolerating bad behavior or put myself in an unsafe situation or you know, what are some things that I can do to make this more palatable? So that I think has been really eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, but when you talk about, going back to your other question about being born with purpose or is there this general world purpose, this pandemic to me, if you could pick a silver lining in all of it, aside from some of the obvious things like more work remote work opportunities and some flexibility for women and and uh, some other we can get into that in a whole different podcast but employers begging for employees yeah, to come back I mean, to it's, the workforce it's almost like the yeah. real estate market right yeah right, right now it's a seller's market right now it's an employee's market you want a job there are jobs available you want to reinvent and drop whatever you've been doing and change industries now's the time to do it i mean employers are scrambling for amazing employees if nothing else that are just willing to learn you don't even have to have the skills they're going to teach you and so it's a really great time a lot of opportunities have opened up in addition to forcing quite a few employers to have to offer remote opportunities which for women allows these mothers especially a chance to work from home so get kids off to school be home after school so many so many other potential things there but Again, back to your first con- or your your question a few minutes ago about world purpose. Sometimes I look at this pandemic as 
and this sounds, I guess, kind of goofy, is like Mother Earth's way of going, y'all need to get your shit together. And so, and we're going to do this collectively. This isn't just United States. This is Ghana. This is Australia. This is Antarctica. I mean, it's everywhere, right? Everyone in the world is dealing with this pandemic. It's not isolated. The U.S. doesn't get to just toot their horn and be like, oh, look at us going through a pandemic. It's the whole world collectively. And to me, that's Mother Earth going, truly, y'all need to get your shit together and you need to figure out some common ground and how we're going to get through this. And what has been kind, not kind of, has been very disheartening is when you see people not embrace the fact that everyone's going through everyone's going through this this isn't just america this isn't just canada this isn't just this is the entire goddamn world going through this pandemic and it's really been unfortunate that it's been polarized and turned into this political banter this is this is truly just taking care of one another and and doing what's in the best interest, even if you don't understand it, mm -hmm. to make sure that your fellow anyone is just safe. This collective effort that I really wish everyone can get on board with and it wasn't so self-centered. So I think um, my conclusion question is, despite hardships throughout your personal life, the world, how do you keep gratitude for it all? Because we're Aside still from here. what I'm drinking? Yeah, we're still here <laughs> living life. And, how do I keep gratitude? And we're fighting the good fight. How do you keep gratitude? Oh my gosh. I have actually... If I had... I'm going to toot my horn just a little bit as a parent. Do it. <laughs> I have always made it a point to start my day with some type of gratitude. And it's an exercise that I even have my little second grader do as part of his homework. And when we were homeschooling, and even in the summer months, before he gets screen time and everything else, he has to write in his gratitude journal. And some days it's two or three things. Some days it's dumb stuff like, you know, I'm, I'm glad that my mom didn't yell at me. Like, it's weird stuff sometimes. But the point is getting him in the habit, all of us in the habit, myself in the habit, of starting every day going, you know what, I am thankful for and sometimes, Abrielle, that's simply, I am thankful for getting out of bed. I am thankful for getting through this day. It doesn't have to be specific with your food and yeah. cars and other tangible things. Sometimes you can, for me, I'm simply thankful that I just made it through another day. And then something else will happen and maybe it's amazing and oh my God, what if I've missed that? There's so much around us that is going right. And when you're in the nonprofit world, you see a lot of the ugly. We're all seeing a lot of the ugly. And a lot of us have just turned off social media and the TV because we just can't handle it anymore. There's a lot of ugly. But that's also what society really wants us to focus on is that negative, right? Misery loves company. And so I'm gonna make this more obvious so that I'm not the only one wallowing in the poor me or the, the crap that's going on. In the nonprofit world, we see a lot of that ugly every single day. And it's, it can be, it is very disheartening and it's sad and it's difficult. But on the flip side, we are seeing so much good, right? 
people that are stepping up and donating time and expertise and supplies and food or whatever it is, there is so much more good that's going on. And I'm grateful, especially during this pandemic, that I'm in nonprofit because I don't think I would have had that same perspective. Catherine shared with us the duality of life and human nature. The world in the news cycle can seem so negative, but if we look past what the media wants us to focus on, we can uncover the good in our everyday lives. Next, we will hear from Thomas, Clark, and Mackay, who recently lost a great friend, but have found a way to use his example to find purpose in their own lives. I'm sitting here with a couple of my roommates and, and teammates on the Utah football team. Go, go, guys, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, Thomas Yasmin, Clark Phillips III, Macaw Bernard, and I'm Max Cotton. So, guys, basically this episode, you know, we're talking about the purpose of life and finding purpose in what we do during our time on this earth and, and why we do the things that we do. So, I mean, Clark, why don't you start us off? I mean, what is, what is your purpose here? Man, I think, um, you know, great question. I feel like uh, my purpose is to, you know, like spread joy, uh, do the things that I love, which, you know, at the moment are football, family, um, faith. I actually have a podcast too, Max, you know, on faith, family, and football. Right, where right. I talk about those things. And so, you know, when you talk about purpose, I feel like it's to spread the, uh, spread the light and the joy that God gave us. Even kind of doing what we're trying to do here is, you know, ex- express what life is really about and what we're doing everything that we do here for. Uh, Thomas, what about you? What, where do you find purpose? Um, where I find purpose, I mean, I wouldn't say I have as clear as a vision as Clark mentioned. I feel like I'm still definitely trying to figure that out, even though I am older. Right. Um, purpose though, like right now, I mean, I moved to America to start sort of a new lifestyle, give myself just a different path from what I thought I was going to do out of high school. So... Um, for me, stuff's sort of relatively new in terms of, uh, I mean, changing countries. So like, right. Yeah. Things are a lot more different. So I think I'm still sort of working that out, but I mean, right now, yeah, football, school, family, family's hard being away from them. So I bet. So I try as much, I mean, digitally to keep in touch with them, but yeah, I, I guess purpose right now is just sort of finishing this small part of my journey, which is college and football. Yeah, and that's another one of the crazy things. And it's like, obviously, we can ask guys our age, oh, what's your purpose? And it's like, well, we haven't really been around that long. Yeah. Like, I, we have no idea. That's and, the truth. But, I mean, you know, you got to kind of make do with what you got right now and, and focus on where you're at and what you're doing, right? Yep, and that's what they say, right? right? College is a place where people find themselves, people find what they love and, you know, what they want to do for the rest of their lives, right? Exactly. Absolutely. I agree. Um Makai, you got anything on, on your purpose right now? Um, I think my purpose is to, you know, just help others. Uh, I think I'm a good communicator, so I feel like people can come to me and talk to me, and I can give them good, you know, feedback and responses to help them out and whatever they're going on with. And, you know, I feel like that's my purpose because uh, a lot of people do come to me. And, yeah. You know, I just feed them good Responses, feedback, and all that. It's all about helping others, right? Right. We obviously lost a friend recently in in Aaron Lowe. Um, You know, a lot of people know about that story, but, you know, it kind of hit pretty close to home for us, obviously. Um, And there was a lot that we could learn from from Aaron uh, about spreading joy and stuff like that. So I I don't know if one of you guys wanted to 
yeah. take take note of that or say something about that? Yeah, I love that we started off, you know, kind of talking about purpose because I feel like um, when I think of just the word purpose, I think of Aaron because that dude, you know, he found a purpose. You mentioned it earlier, Max, you know. When Ty passed, you know, when we lost Ty, he found his purpose, you know, and that was, you know, being being joyful in every situation, smiling, being that energetic, being that energy, you know, that maybe was lacking at the moment, you know, and just being himself. And so I feel like, um, you know, he kind of re- represented that in a good way. Right. Definitely. Um, yeah. I, you know, that was tough. And it, but it was definitely you could you could see it with, with Ty, like you said, um, something, you know, it's like a, a light switch flicked on in his head like this is what I need to do in this hard time is spread love and joy and and that's that's really what he did I mean you know this is obviously a pretty tragic accident but we can learn a lot from him yeah. you know I don't know Thomas Mackay you guys were pretty close to them as well I mean what, what are some of the things that you guys could probably learn with finding purpose in life and spreading that joy. What do you guys think you could have learned from Aaron? I think um, one thing for me is, you know, when I'm sad or, you know, you know, just don't know where to go, I just think of, you know, my boy Aaron and, uh, and smile because, you know, that's what he did. You know, he just mm-hmm. smiled. He had a nice, bright smile. Him and uh, Ty, they both had nice smiles. So when I'm feeling down or something, you know, you just got to you just got to smile through it. And uh, mm-hmm. it just it just helps because it like. It just boosts my my uh, self esteem that day, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, helps me to get to work. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, those smiles were very infectious. Uh, it's just crazy, and even even you know, we all we all knew. I mean, it wasn't like Aaron was, you know, had everything going for him. It's, yeah. it's not like he was living the, his best life. He, yeah. Yeah, Smile a lot of stuff pain. going down. Smile through the pain. That's what yeah. Ty just said, and that, that's exactly you know what Aaron, what uh, Ty both did. You know, because Aaron had a lot of stuff going on, and he and he suffered things that you know were kept quiet. That you know really only you know some of us that were super close to us to him really knew, you know, including us. And so I feel like um, the fact that he was able to, you know, kind of move forward with everything that he had going on. Even looking back at it now, sometimes I just smile. I'm like that dude was strong, you know, and definitely. I feel like we can all take that from him. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even with you guys, like even even Thomas, I mean, I see it in Thomas a lot, too, is when, you know, he's he's not having a bad day. I mean, you're not really going to notice it. He's still going to crack jokes with you and have a good time. Right, Thomas? Yeah, you're going to try and do that. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 just crazy to to see that. And I think we've all learned that because, I mean, there's obviously stuff in all your guys' lives that you don't really know about. But, I mean, we can always be up in the kitchen and have a great conversation and have a good time with each other, regardless yeah. of what's going That's on. The truth. I think it puts a lot of things into perspective. Like, yeah. especially you're saying, like, Aaron, God bless him, didn't exactly come from, you know, a very privileged family. I'm yeah. unlucky. I came from, uh, I grew up in a good household. Definitely. I have stable parents, like, stable income. Like, I, I didn't have that much adversity. Right. Really, growing up. I mean, that guy had a lot more going against him. Like I'll complain. Like if I'm even if I'm at practice, I'm having crappy practice or something. Like stuff's not going my way. I mean, like those guys would kill just to be out there to run yeah. like thirty gases. Absolutely. I mean, like they they would kill to be out there every day. Now, like if I'm there complaining about, it, I'm like, I'm a, these guys would do anything to be here right now. So like yeah. it puts a lot of things into perspective. I think. Yeah, definitely, I agree there, and that's actually a good point that you brought up with with background, right? And it's like, 
you know, everybody's cut from a different cloth. It comes from, you know, different places. So that could even lead into another thing. I mean, you guys all come from I'm, different yeah. homes and different places. I mean, geez, Thomas, you're from Australia. Like, that's yeah. completely... We, we could probably not even imagine what a yeah. household in, uh, in Australia is like. But yeah, yeah. Nah, right off that point, you know, me and Makai both from Long Beach, but completely different situations. You know, my father's a pastor. Um, I grew up with both my parents. Um, my little brother, I have a little brother and a little sister, you know. Yeah. I grew up with both of them, you know. It wasn't until my senior year that I wasn't living with them, but I lived with my family the whole time. Yeah. And so, you know, Makai had a whole different situation. He'll speak on that, or he can speak on that. But, you know, I literally, you know, I didn't. Have, I won't say everything was given to me, but I, I had a great situation growing up early on. You know, it wasn't, you yeah. know, until like probably pre-teens, early teens, and we, st- we had adversity. But we got through it, you know? Absolutely. You know, uh, you, you made a good point. You know, we're both from Long Beach, different stories. Yeah. Uh, you know, you grew up with your, you know, family intact and stuff like that. I, I didn't, you know what I mean? But look where we at. Facts. We're in Utah, we're playing Division One football and stuff like that. I was homeless, you know, a couple times in my life. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I'm the only child between my mom and dad, but I still have sisters that, you know, my half-sisters have brothers. But, you know, I only grew up with two of them. But like you said, you know, we got through it. We have different stories, but... You just never know, but look where we're at now. Yeah, exactly. You never know, and you guys are, you know, all here in in, in one spot from from different places, and even even you guys, same place, different stories, and you ended up in the same spot. It really makes so, you I mean, appreciate everybody, man, and appreciate everybody's process, and it makes the friendships and the bonds that you forge that much stronger. Me and Aaron had a whole lot, not in common, but a whole lot. In, one thing was in common is that we're both hard-ass workers. That was, you know, the thing that, you know, really drew us close, man. And, you know, Aaron had a whole lot of stuff going on that I, you know, I'm sitting there listening. He would explain some things. I'm like, man, I can't really, I can't relate, but yeah. you know, I'm here for you. Go exactly. ahead and vent. Yeah. And so that was the only thing I could say in a lot of those situations. I'm crying about my stuff, and he's like, looking at me like, man, that ain't nothing. <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> but to me, it's the, it's the, it's the craziest thing. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, relationships are all about that. Obviously, people will end up in different situations. Like mm-hmm. someone could have grown up in your same exact situation, ended up a completely different person. And, true. you know, not as loving and caring and hard hardworking as you. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't know. What is your guys' opinion on, like, I guess where you come from and... Does that have an impact on on what you do in life and and why you do what you do? Uh, I mean, like I was saying before, like I'm lucky I came from a pretty privileged family. But I mean, both my parents from overseas, uh, the high school sweethearts. They, I mean, both my parents came with came up from like not a lot of money. They were very poor growing up. Obviously, my parents worked hard and were able to give me a nice lifestyle. But I think that's one thing. It makes me appreciate a lot. Like, my parents never once put me in a position where I'd ever be, like, spoiled. Everything I had to work for, which I think I'm grateful for. Because a lot of people, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I went to a private school. A lot of those people, they're very entitled. Parents gave them whatever they want. I mean, I'm from a Lebanese household. That's not how things work. Like, you got to... Yeah. Like, Arab, Arab household's pretty strict. Like, yeah. you got to work yeah. for things. Like, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you act up, you're going to get punished accordingly, so... No, I'm, I'm grateful for that, but also at the same time that, like, I was, like, if I didn't need something, I was able to get it, which was, which is lucky, which is a privilege, like, not a lot of people had. Absolutely. So, I think I learned, I just sort of got from both sides, which was nice. But, yeah. I feel like it's, a, you know, the perspective, like, for, it's how you, how your family raised you. 
and uh, what you see like during your day-to-day -day life like so you you know you're in a household your family raised you a certain way and then you go to school and you see how these these students these kids act mm -hmm. and I feel like that shapes you into you know anything you you know in life I don't know I don't yeah. know no I, you I know get what you yeah, yeah. You learn you learn from you know your peers and who who you see around you I mean if you see somebody bullying somebody else and you see how it's affecting the other person you're not going to want to go bully somebody because right. you know how, it, how you see it. You, mm -hmm. you see how it makes somebody feel. And, I mean, it, it's crazy to me to think about, oh, I mean, you're really going to go bully this kid? Like, is that really what your purpose in life is going to be? Like, I'm always curious what what it was that maybe turned them into that or, or what it was that made them feel that that is what they had to do in life to maybe get ahead or, or whatever it is. But it's all, but it's like what you said, it's all about perspective and what you think life is about. And that's, what's crazy about this topic is it can go anywhere. That's talking about life, man. And you say perspective. Right? The first thing I think about coach Scali, um, you know, he say a lot of great things and some things stick, some things don't, man. And mm -hmm. when he talks about perspective, he talks about how it's formed. And he talks about how um, perspective is formed by experience. You know, whatever you experience. So if your childhood was uh, was one way, it depends on how you're going to, it's going to shape how your perspective is when you're an adult. Right. So like, you know, the way I grew up, now certain things won't even fly. Now that I'm off on my own or even my senior year, as when I was off on my own, certain things I wouldn't even get into or certain things I couldn't even get myself to do because it was like... Uh, I know that that's not right. Or I just, you know, something that my family wouldn't even appreciate. Yeah. I can't bring this home. I can't, you know, it goes for everything. And I saw, so when you talk about perspective, it hits home. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, a, that's all this topic is. It's all about perspective and opinion and where you come from. And so that's why I, you know, I love talking about stuff like this because you you never know what answers you're going to get. And, and it's it's a pretty great topic to talk about. So, you know, you guys are, we're all young. We all have a lot more of life to go. And, you know, we obviously need to cherish that. Um, we know that the hard way. We learn that the hard way. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts? I mean, whether it be about Aaron, what to learn from him, what, what joy we can spread and, and talk about him. But uh, any final thoughts for y'all? I will say um, one thing. You never know what your purpose is until someone touches you or reaches you. And, uh, you know, as a football team, you know, the University of Utah, uh, we found that when Ty passed, but even more so when Aaron passed because they both, you know, replicated the same thing, the same, you know, person. And I feel like that really hit the football team into finding our purpose to playing each and every week and each and every, you know, practice, game, whatever. And I feel like that's, you know, that's our purpose is to do it for the ones who can't. I want to thank Thomas, Clark, and Makai for being so open about their life experiences and so graciously letting us into their lives and how they see the world. I think something we can learn from these conversations is that the easiest way to invite joy and purpose into your life is through gratitude. Gratitude for what you have experienced and how it has contributed to who you are. Gratitude for the things and opportunities you do have. And gratitude for the time you get to spend with the ones you love. Here are some ways that you can implement an attitude of gratitude into your daily routine. First, you can keep a gratitude journal. Every day at morning or night, whatever works best for your schedule, write down five to 10 things that you are grateful for. They can be as big or as small as you want, but this will help you find things to be happy about even on the hardest days. Doing this will program your brain to naturally find things you are grateful for. 
Second, you can find the silver lining in situations. Obviously, not every situation will be ideal, and it's important for you to let yourself embrace negative emotions, but also try and find the good in every situation. For example, you might have gotten rejected from a job, but instead of basking in the negative emotions of the rejection, be thankful that life is redirecting you to another opportunity that will be better for you. The more difficult the situation is, the more difficult this may be, but the key to living a happy life is not to view things as happening to you, but happening for you. Third, Practice meditation or mindfulness. Taking time to sit with yourself and just allow your thoughts to come and go without judgment is a critical part of having gratitude. Fourth, volunteer. Volunteering for a purpose can increase our own well-being, so by helping others, you can actually help yourself. And I think that we saw a great example of this in Catherine's interview as she really does do nonprofit work. And finally, Express your gratitude. Write someone you're grateful for a letter or give them a phone call. You'd be surprised how much it increases their mood and yours. I hope you implement some of these into your daily routine so you can see firsthand how gratitude can have a positive impact on your life. Join us next time as we further uncover purpose in the next episode of Winding About Life. <laughs>